Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Lester Rapolo, who is president of Rockland Community College. Lester and podcast host Amara Lawalia discuss the evolving expectations of learners and how community colleges can become more sustainable with a student-centered environment. Lester, welcome to the Illumination podcast. It's great to be chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for the space. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'm so honored and humbled to spend these uh, minutes with you. I know that you have a lot in your place. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, we're going to have a fun conversation. And, and well, congratulations to start off. You were appointed as president of Rockland Community College in July. How's that transition process been over the past few months? You know, the transition has been amazing. I have been, had the opportunity to work with um the board, you know, I have a, a very supportive board that it's helping me. I have the pleasure to connect with faculty, staff, and agents, and also with the students. You know, that's that's the whole purpose that I'm here. I engage what I call the learning listening tour. So basically, every week I meet with uh, members of the community. Some of those members are elected officials. Some of them are are uh, students. Some of them are faculty, staff, agents. And that gives me a perspective of what things are working, what things we need to change or modify, and just to have a, a, a an opportunity to learn more about the county, learn more about the institution, learn more about the DNA of what makes Rockland, Rockland. And I can tell you, uh, everywhere where I go, people speak very, very highly of of the of the institution itself and they also speak very highly of the faculty and staff so i'm very thrilled i'm honored and specifically having been the first latino president to be chosen for this role it's uh it's it comes with a heavy uh load but i i can tell you that i have a very supportive team that is willing to help me and and i'm here for for the students and we're here collectively for the students so i'm beyond static and beyond happy Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, you've you've been a leader in the post-secondary space for, I don't want to age you, but for, <laughs> for a few decades at this point. Uh, and you've led it at a, at a variety of different kinds of institutions. How, over the course of your career, how have you seen the higher ed space and, and more specifically the community college space evolve? Yes. I'm glad that you asked that question. You know, I, I know you, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir and I know you know this. Um, we have to understand that higher education has evolved throughout many years and uh, our students are becoming more diverse. Our faculty are becoming more diverse. And yet the funding in some states, um, it's not where it needs to be, right? Uh, and also there are internal layers and internal politics that play it into effect, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And for community college per se, you know, we have to understand that the first community college, if I'm not mistaken, was founded in 1901. And that was uh, Joliet at the University of uh, Chicago. And since then, right, uh, it evolved and it provided opportunity for the um for the, the the veterans, right? The after the World War II, when they came back to uh United States, and that was a huge catalyst to help um to create a strong middle class. And now, obviously, many years later, we have um transformed basically the landscape of uh, our students, our needs. Our employers' uh, workforce is becoming more and more present than ever in many states, uh, and I would say across the sector. And ironically enough, when 
many, many years ago, right? Are you talking about more than 30, 40 years? Uh, some institutions, for example, in CUNY, right? Uh, CUNY, uh, the tuition was free, uh, basically, in, in, some, in some instance. Now, tuition has increased a little bit more. Uh, and and I, I say ironically, ironically enough, because our student body is more diverse. And we know that uh, they come from very low um, uh, household income, and we need to make sure that we're here to support them. Uh, when it comes to programs, uh, we have evolved tremendously. We have been able to provide really great programs um, that not only compete nationally, but also internationally, and also transfer, right? For example, let's take Rockland as, a, as, a, as an opportunity right now to discuss this topic. We have an excellent honors program that we transfer students to MIT, Harvard, uh, Yale, Columbia, at a fraction of what students will pay if they decided to do those two first years at those institutions. So not only are students compete um, and they have the, the soft skills and, and the, the, the linguistic skills to compete, but also they actually, in some cases, they outperform some of the students. So, and it doesn't cost the state a lot of money. And that's the kicker, right? So imagine how much we can do with a little bit more support, with a little bit more money, if we creating good top quality individuals, right? Uh, I can see it with our alumni, I can see it with our students, and I can see it where this, our students go to. You know, these are really good uh, tier one institutions that we're talking about. So higher education as a, as a, as a sector has evolved. And I'm happy uh, with that evolution, but I also think that just like any other sector, we need to speed up that that uh, that transformation. I think that um, it, and think about, for example, the business community, right? The business world, they they have involved very fast, right? I think the higher education needs to uh, borrow some of that speed. And, and be more uh, innovative and more creative. If we truly wanna um, not only compete, but if we really wanna create a, a very um, strong human capital for this great country of ours. You know, it's, it's so interesting you strike that balancing act because on the one hand, the college serves the community. The college has a responsibility to serve the community. And we all know the multiplier effect of every dollar invested in a community college and the impact that that has. I think it's sixfold uh, Six on, on the community. Um, but we also recognize the reality of the fact that our funding models are based on degree enrollments as a starting point, exactly. which isn't necessarily representative of the students that are coming through. And mm -hmm. <laughs> has been in a state of decline for the better part of a decade and a half now. Exactly. I'm curious, as, as a college leader in, in this challenging environment, with the recognition of the need to serve the community, but at the same time, the awareness of, of the realities of the current funding model, how important is it to start establishing a new approach to business management to ensure that the college has the operating funds it needs to serve the learners it needs to serve when you can't necessarily be reliant on public or state funding to make up that gap? I'm glad that you, that's an excellent question. I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna answer that question in two in two segments. The first one uh, to your question, I think that is crucial now more than ever that community colleges uh, take the responsibility to start generating income, to start generating more income, right? So they can become more sustainable. They obviously will welcome all the uh, all the help that, that <laughs> yeah. the state, but I think that we have to start 
be more creative, start thinking outside the box, thinking about grants, right? For example, here at Rockland Community College, right, in the last since 2019 until now, we have received close to $22 million in grants. And the idea is to expand that and grow that, right? So to your point, uh, it, it's crucial. It, it really, really is. Now, if we look at the state level, right, we have to demand equity uh, funding for New York community colleges to empower every student. Just to give you an idea, this is data you, that you can look up uh, in the website. Roughly right now from direct tax support um, for the state, the state of New York funds about $19,000 and $136 for community for a uh, four-year institution. However, that funding goes down drastically to community college. We only get $5,482, right, for community college. So $19,000 in change for a four-year institution, to your point, to your question earlier, and now $5,000 for community college. So the the difference is abysmal, right? I mean, and yeah. this is just, and I'm just talking about New York. If, you know, I'm sure that the, the listeners out there, they're probably thinking, well, what about my state, you know? And and I encourage them to, to, to look at this data and look at the numbers, because at the end of the day, this is the only way, as you and I know, that we can make strong arguments and with data and say, hey, last year you provided X amount of dollars for the four-year institution. What about us for, mm -hmm. uh, to community college, right? And and obviously we're happy with the Pell Grants. We're happy with all the uh, help that uh, the local elect electoral officials provide, but the equity piece gap uh, is there and it's palpable. You can see it, you can touch it. I mean, I can see it in our students. We have students at RCC that are homeless. We have students and we provide. We have a food uh, pantry that every day we have students uh, literally go and pick up food. So these are students that are, you know, they're doing great in school. They're doing, they have AIDS, they have uh, uh, a really strong GPA, but that is the reality that we're facing, right? And and we love them. We love, I, I, I care for them. Our faculty care for them. Our, fa our student, our, our staff care for them. But imagine what can we do if we get more funded, right? And we, at the end of the day, we are creating human capital. I always say that. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about what learners actually expect from their college. Obviously, we've seen a, a tidal shift in uh -huh. the way that learners in their colleges interact, certainly since since COVID. What, how would you characterize the relationship between learners and, and their community college? How has their, their expectation as, as students and as customers shifted over the past few years? Absolutely. I think that the from what I can see and what I've seen in, in my in my career, um, students are are demanding lower tuition. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why community college now more than ever have have, um, you know, have become more relevant among middle class families. Uh, they demanded more scholarships. They demanded more better transfer agreements. Um, you know, with to a four-year institutions, they uh they 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 want uh better technology, right? Uh, software that they can use, programs that are are not only help them that to get a job, but programs that if they want to transfer, they can continue with a four-year uh, degree. Just to give you an idea, our nursing program, uh, RCC, the NCLEX, it's about ninety-nine percent. 
So they haven't even finished the, the nursing program and they got a job already. Yeah. Uh, our business students, our business uh, programs are, are really good. Uh, they have great transfer agreement. And actually, as a matter of fact, when I started here at RCC, I wanted to, to leverage that connection of international outreach. As you and I know, our parents competed regionally. Our generation competed nationally. Our students' generation now, whether they're a four-year institution or two-year institution, they're competing globally. And I don't think that it's going to stop anywhere. I think that in the near future, we're going to have an applicant in the United States, whether they live in California or in Hackensack, New Jersey, or if they live in, in New York City, and they're going to have to be applying for the same job that someone perhaps in India or Honduras or Puerto Rico is looking at that. And most likely, those individuals and those students are going to have very similar soft skills. So we have to make sure that we prepare students for that international labor market. So for sure, I think that to answer your question, definitely tuition, transfer, um, small classes, that's something that the students want, better technology, uh, advising, you know, um, and believe it or not, in they they want scholarships uh for us they 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 definitely they understand the meaning of what can scholarships can do for themselves and for their life and that's something that I'm I'm working with the foundation board to uh increase our allocation to our students with with help you know it, where i'm what fascinates me about this shifting this shifting landscape what what learners are expecting is that so much of it comes down to meeting an expectation for transparency. Absolutely. You know, the, the institution is is promising or or at least is proposing mm -hmm. a pathway for an individual to, you know, climb the socioeconomic ladder to achieve a level of of you know self-actualization, but then also to get a pathway, a very clear pathway to the labor market. And I think so much of that comes back to, you know, well, how are we displaying our catalog? How are we how are we making it easy for students to log, you know, to, to access rockland.edu and, and find the right course for them? It it's kind of incredible to me that you you mentioned the agility of, of the business world earlier. And it comes to you know almost a central uh, question around student centricity. You know, mm -hmm. when you think about uh overcoming some of the obstacles that, that we've outlined, especially around resource-constrained. Uh, the, the resource-constrained nature of the modern community college, how do you create a more student-centric environment, both inside and outside the classroom, while navigating the challenges of, of some of these, these resource constraints? Yes, it's, it's complex. It's complex because I think that our students know, and, and remember, right, they're, they're so interconnected. They, they talk to their friends on Facebook, yeah. On, on they use different media outlets so they when they look for college they they it's almost like they 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 go shopping they go window shopping right they're like hey let me see what this institution has to offer so i think that that puts a lot of pressure on on us to make sure that we have uh, to your point a very healthy um curriculum that we have great agreements uh for students to transfer and also it 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 helps the faculty to understand that even though we are preparing students for, for, for the future, in some cases, we are preparing students for jobs that they don't even exist yet, right? So think about artificial intelligence, think about supply chain management, think about 
uh, robotics, the chip maker, right? Think about all these different uh, elements that, that are coming, uh, the, the, the blockchain technology that is, that is about to burst or is bursting in some cases. I mean, we have to be innovative and we have to think outside the box and we have to make sure that we, we not only prepare students for the current labor market, but also help them to explore what is coming because it, it's going to be, it, it's, it's a revolution, if you will, right, of, of um, and transformation of both the the employer sector and the and the academy as a whole so we have to keep up with the pace and we have to make sure that we provide the the right soft skills so they can become um agents of of change absolutely so what's your vision for the college you know as you as you think about where rockland's going to go over the next five five years ten years and how do you plan to engage your key stakeholders your faculty your staff and your students to realize that vision Thank you. I can tell you that having been a, a tenure faculty member, I understand um, how to engage faculty from the shared governance perspective. Yeah. Right. I think that is crucial. I think that that help us to understand and have a healthy discussion. Right. Uh, it's not them against us. It's all of us together for the welfare of the student. Having um share many committees, right, from assessment committee to diversity, equity, inclusion committee. I think that is important to, um, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, how to foster and nurture a transparent process. I, I think that when transparency, it's on on, on the table and, and faculty and students and, and, and adjuncts can see it, right? Uh, it holds both parties accountable. It holds me accountable as their leader and it holds them accountable to say, hey, you know, he's actually showing us if we, if we have a budget deficit, he's showing us the books, he's showing us what's happening and uh, be very, very uh, transparent on how to um, communicate the change. It's not that people don't like changes, right? Or they don't like change. It's that it, it, they don't, they put them in a very difficult situation where that change is related to them directly, right? Uh, so how do we, um, how do we deconstruct that philosophy or that mentality that change is not good? We have to change. We have to be involved. So my my vision for RCC, and I always say this to my my faculty and our colleagues and, and staff and our students, is that having had the opportunity to work at the uh, Valencia College, uh, when I was there, they won the Aspen Prize uh, for being the best, the best community college in the nation. And having track the work and see the work of Union County College with under the leadership of Dr. McMenamin, having uh, worked in CUNY under the leadership of fellow Matos, right? Several four-year institutions have been uh, nominated, right? Uh, for the Aspen Prize, they haven't won it, but they have been contenders. Uh, and look at the uh, at the work of Amarillo College in Texas. I believe they won this year to be the best community college in the nation and also Imperial Valley College in Southern California. So what do these colleges have uh, in common? They're very, very student-centered. They create an entire ecosystem that helps students to get them to the finish line and help them to transfer to a four-year institution. I'm not saying that other institutions are not doing it. I'm not saying that we're not doing it, but there are ways and there are mechanisms that we have to put in place to um, to improve, right? There's always room for improvement. And that's something that I would love to do. Uh, obviously create new programs. I mentioned artificial intelligence. I mentioned uh, business, Bloomberg. I mentioned 
expand our nursing program. For example, just to give you an idea, uh, our nursing program this semester, uh, we received over 500 applications. And because our space, right, we were only able to accommodate 100 um, students. So mm -hmm. we basically we basically lost about 400 qualified students that could have easily been in our, pro in our program. So obviously every president will say, oh my God, that is crazy. You're losing so much enrollment. And they're right, absolutely right. But for me, I'm taking the, the other approach, right? Yes, it kills me. It's painful that we have lost those students. But I'm also thinking about the, the, the human side, right? The society side. We have a serious program in this country about our nursing shortage. And yes, right, we have here, our, our students are basically banging on our doors and say, we want to be in your program. They're qualified students. And for a space, we are not even to, we're not able to get them. So my role, my mission, my desire, my hope, and what I'm gonna do with our faculty and staff and with the board is to expand our nursing program because it helps with enrollment, one, but most importantly, it helps us, all of us, because eventually all of us get sick, right? So we need, it, it helps with the nursing shortage. So those are our examples that I can give it. And obviously when the uh, Excelencia uh, seal, um, the the uh, the seal of Excelencia, I was actually in DC uh, last week and, you know, I felt really proud of some of my colleagues in the circle that won these, the seal, uh, um, Excelencia, you know, Long Beach, uh, you know, with Dr. Munoz and and many others, right? Um, in Arizona and California, Texas. So this speaks of the commitment that institutions have for uh, helping uh, HSI institutions and um, something that I'm really passionate. And, and I think that we can not only compete, but I think that we can win it. And together we will create those mechanisms in place that will help them to get to that uh, goal. Absolutely. And for anyone who is interested in learning more about the Seal of Excellencia, that's the Excellencia in Education. It's a, it's a marker that, that's provided to highlight institutions that are doing a phenomenal job closing the, the uh, attainment gap or uh, the completion gap uh, facing uh, Latinx students. So absolutely, it's some, something to, to look at, something, something regardless of, of your geography to be very, very aware of. Exactly. Uh, Lesser, it's been an absolute pleasure just chatting with you and, and sort of getting a sense of, of where you see the space and where it's going. Uh, at this point, our interview shifts a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, to towards more of a, a, a dinner-oriented space. If, if someone's looking to go to dinner in in your town in Manhattan, uh, Manhattan, New York, New York, where uh -huh. do they need to go? You know, uh, if they like steak, uh, I'm a huge steak aficionado, so I like Gallagher. Uh, as a steak, I think it's a, a, a staple. If you like Latin food, I think specifically Peruvian food, as you and I know, Peruvian food has been nominated one of the best cuisine in the world. I would say Pio Pio uh, in New York. And obviously, if you happen to go to, to the Boogie Boogie down, right, Bronx, I would highly encourage some people to go to, uh, I believe the name of the restaurant is Gloria's. They have excellent, excellent uh, Puerto Rican food. Uh, for those that love arroz con gandules, chicharrón, de pollo, uh, definitely. So I, I hope I, 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 I hope I answer your question to the best of my ability. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm always on board with more recommendations instead of less. It's Lester, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, my friend. Have a good one. Take care.
This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.